4: 93700242 You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Melinda, 10:50 a.m. The station that needs no listener behind.
0: Exploring science in the sea. Iron is crucial to your health. It helps carry oxygen through the body. So if you don't have enough You feel tired and sluggish. But too much iron isn't good either. In some cases, it can lead to diabetes or even heart failure. The same thing applies to much of the microscopic life in the oceans. Iron is a key nutrient, but too much of a good thing can be bad. Overdoses of iron in single-celled organisms more than 2 billion years ago may have slowed the evolution of Earth's atmosphere. These organisms are known as cyanobacteria and they're still around today. As they convert nutrients and sunlight into usable energy, they release oxygen. Much of it bubbles to the surface and enters the atmosphere. In fact, cyanobacteria were responsible for giving Earth an oxygen-rich atmosphere in the first place. The early atmosphere contained almost no oxygen at all. As cyanobacteria developed and spread, though, they pumped vast amounts of it into the air. There was an especially big uptick about 2.3 billion years ago. A recent study, though, says that large amounts of iron in the water may have slowed things down. Iron-rich water was released from volcanoes on the ocean floor. The iron overloaded many of the microscopic organisms, killing them off. So the atmosphere got its oxygen in waves. When there was just the right amount of iron, lots of oxygen was added. But when there was too much iron, the process slowed down, delaying the transformation to the life-supporting blanket of air we enjoy today. Science in the Sea is a production of the University of Texas Marine Science Institute at Port Aransas. I'm Holly Brawley.
4: Freeway Auto Center is your road to home. Now open and ready to send you home in a much better car than you're driving now. Freeway Auto Center has a special phone number for KCAA listeners. Get ready. Get a pen. Here's the number you need. Right now in the 909 area code. Call 269-8731. Got it? That's the number you need for Freeway Auto Center. Just call 909-269-8731 and ask for the road to home. You may need to unload a car that costs more to fix than you paid for it. Maybe you need a dependable car for your kids to go to college. Maybe it's just time. Freeway Auto Center on Waterman, north of the 10th, has the selection you're looking for. Freeway Auto Center will get you there. Call 909-269-8731. That's 269-8731. That's your number for Freeway Auto Center.
1: Are you looking for the right place to purchase your landscaping items? Well, come see us at Hydroscape. Hydroscape offers a large selection of irrigation products, including Irritrol and Toro, such as their efficient precision nozzles. For 40 years, Hydroscape has been family-owned and operated, serving Southern California. With 17 locations, our knowledgeable and experienced staff is equipped to help you with all your irrigation, landscape, and outdoor living projects. Whether you're installing irrigation systems, wanting to maintain a healthy landscape, or simply create a beautiful lit space for outdoor entertaining, Hydroscape is the place to go. Visit our website at hydroscape.com for more information and find helpful articles on our blog. Or call our customer service center at one 800 395 four four seven seven
5: were you involved in an auto accident do you know where to go for repairs are you tired of getting ripped off by high prices and inferior work then visit us at Inland Empire Auto Body and Paint located in Riverside at 6411 Industrial Avenue suite A we have an award winning team of specialists with more than 40 years of auto body work experience we were also voted number one in the Inland Empire by MyFoxLA. LA. We work with all major insurance companies and use state-of-the-art equipment to get your car back on the road. We work on all makes and models of cars, including RVs. Our auto paint specialist will make sure the job is done right. At Inland Empire Auto Body & Paint, your satisfaction isn't just a goal. It's what drives us. We focus on your needs. Call us for a free estimate at 951-637-1365. That's 951-637-1365. Inland Empire Auto Body and Paint.
6: Are you tired? Are you tired of being tired? Do you hate your job? Do you feel like you're on a hamster wheel and want to jump off into balanced living? Then tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. for Take My Advice. I'm not using it. Get balanced with Dr. Marissa. It's a show about hope and how you can be happy 88% of the time. So there's no CNN, constantly negative news, no gossip, no scandal, and no K words, no Kardashian talk. Instead, you will hear callers ask Dr. Marissa, also known as the kinder, gentler Dr. Laura, for advice about love, hate, Money, jobs, sex, and what to do next. So join me every Thursday at 7 for Take My Advice, I'm Not Using It. Get balanced with Dr. Marissa on KCAA AM 1050 NBC News Radio. This is Dr. Marissa, also known as the Asian Oprah, signing off until then. Peace in and peace out.
2: The other station claims to be local. Since when is Glendale local? (laughs) KCAA News Talk 1050, your true local station.
7: Hey! What the? Honey! The water just stopped in here!
1: They turned it off because you're wasting water! What? What are you talking about?
3: Because you know it's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, drought, drought,
2: drought, drought.
3: Yeah, it's pretty clear, we're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, drought, drought,
8: drought. From the mountains to the desert to the oceans to all across America and back to the wonderful downtown San Bernardino, welcome to the Water Zone on KCAA 1050AA. Uh, I'm Rob Starr, along with, I have to introduce Mike tonight again, the competitive, creative, clever, and colorful character who consoles challenging crowds of cautious cynics with confidence in a calm and cheery condition, Mr. Mike Barron.
9: Thank you very much, Rob. That uh, is one of your best introductions so far. That's, because uh, they're all good. They're all so clever. I'm going through the... The alphabet. <laughs> the alphabet. <laughs> I should have done it north. Hey, but I which, didn't. which means we're going to be co- we're going to be on the on the water zone a few more weeks, aren't we? We're going to take yeah. it all the
8: way into. Well, actually, we'll the, be short, so we'll have to have to the, the, the alphabet's shorter than the length of time we'll be on. So we'll, we'll just have to start over. Absolutely.
9: Oh so, mm. well, hey, um, do we have some news yes, this I evening? Do.
8: Well, now with the news, Mr. Mike Berry.
9: Well, hey, the state of California just reported another record-setting month for reducing water consumption, 27% in the state of California, which now makes it June, July, and August, you know, three summer months where... The governor's mandate to reduce water consumption by 25 percent or more has been exceeded. So, to I'm, all of you, I'm
8: declaring the, the drought the, over. Uh,
9: well, you might declare it over, <laughs> but I don't think Governor Brown is declaring it over. In fact, uh, what I hear is that let's get Jerry we, on the phone. We've got to yes, right. <laughs> we've got to get through the end of February to hit our goal of saving the number of acre feet of water that's going to get us through a fifth year of drought in case that El Nino doesn't materialize the way we all hope it will, which kind of brings up an interesting question. And if there's any listener that knows
8: the answer to this, we'd love to have them uh, contact us. Yeah, please call in at uh, 909-888-5222, or if you're outside the area code, 888-909-1050. So I want to know, has Las Vegas
9: set the odds Instead of over, under, it's before or after the date upon which the first El Nino storm hit Southern California.
8: I'm sure they'll bet on that.
9: You think so? Absolutely. Well, hey, if you know for a fact and haven't answered that question, give us a call and we will give you a $50 gift certificate certificate for for dinner. I like so that. That's what we'd like to do. You
8: know, we're going to be in Las Vegas next week. Maybe we can talk to some of the odds makers.
9: Hey, we'll check that out. We'll check that out. By the way, speaking of Las Vegas, rumor has it that the Water Zone will be broadcasting direct from the Water Smart Innovations Conference. Absolutely. That is happening next month in. Oh, well, next week. Next week. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Did. I was just hoping it was still a month away.
8: Wednesday through Thursday.
9: In the South Point Hotel. And. Uh, If you want to learn about what's going on with water, EPA WaterSense will be there. Many manufacturers will be there. Water agencies will be there. And it's amazing what you can learn by attending the breakout sessions at
8: that event. So, And we're going to get a few people on uh, f- uh, who run the show, and we're also going to get some people who are manufacturers, have some new technologies, and talk about that and uh, have an opportunity for people to call in and ask them questions on what's new. And speaking of new technologies, I
9: was uh, privileged to be in attendance when that winner of our Water Zone contest got a retrofit upgrade of their standard sprinkler system to a water-smart, high-efficiency
8: Toro sprinkler system. And that's the Jorgensen's of Long Beach. Yes, yes. Lovely uh, people.
9: They they are, and they were just uh, very appreciative of the rotating stream nozzles that now water their front lawn much
8: more efficiently. And how about that smart controller?
9: Oh, the Evolution?
8: Yep.
9: You know what they really enjoy doing? The remote. They went to the furthest corner of their front yard, furthest away from the um, controller, which is in a little cabinet with all the uh, what do you call those things that circuit breaker, the circuit breaker at the house, and they were able to turn on a zone, turn it off, and they just thought that was so cool and efficient. So we're excited. We also put drip irrigation in the flower beds, mm-hmm. very efficient water at the root zone, and no misting, no overspray,
8: no overrun.
9: Oh no, overrun or runoff as we like to say, and again, highly efficient. So we're going to be asking them to let us know how it's going on in their water bill.
8: Yeah, we can do some PR with that and uh I know some of the newspapers are interested in covering that story and uh,
9: And I got to tell you one other thing before we get over to our our, our uh guest I was uh, and you do this too you do training on the evolution controller at Chino Basin Water Conservation District and I got an opportunity to
8: and Friday night at Western Municipal Water Oh
9: District. that's right is it's going to be at their um, facility yes. in Riverside yes and uh, so if you're a homeowner listening and if you're in the riverside vicinity, just go to the Western Municipal Water District website, Google water, Western Municipal Water District and look for the controller um,
8: web uh, session uh, right and all I have to do is just uh, notify, give them a call so they have a reservation it's free it goes for uh, two hours and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting so
9: but I got an email this morning from a woman who attended the training at Chino Basin Water Conservation District. And she said that she was saddened looking at dead lawns and dying trees. And she said, you know, with technology, perhaps we can do something about that. We can use water wisely. We can save water, meet the governor's mandate to reduce water consumption by 25%. And still have a decent-looking yard, which you know is the best of both worlds.
8: Yeah, people don't realize that you don't have to take out your lawns to have it to, to have a nice landscape. You can, but do you, you
9: do have to take care of deferred maintenance. Absolutely, which we think is that's probably, the most important thing. Yeah, because that is the one thing that just definitely wastes water.
8: Absolutely. Any other uh, bright bright info for the news this week? Well,
9: the only other thing uh, would be the um, my hometown, Glendora. Uh, this. In the month of August, didn't quite hit their peak water reduction, which was like 41.8 percent in um, in the month of May when we had some rain. But they reduced their water consumption 33 percent in the month of August, and so far 35.5 percent through uh, cumulative, the number of months cumulative since uh, since May. So that's pretty good, yep. and. LADWP, Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. We had the general manager as a right. guest. Marcy Edwards. Marcy right. Edwards. Uh, very informative. Told us a lot about the initiatives and the programs and the training that Metropolitan Water – or I'm sorry, that uh, LADWP was uh, undertaking. They exceeded their uh, reduced their their reduction goal. And, in fact, so far through, through – um, from June through August they've reduced their water consumption twenty eight point seven percent, which is above the goal of sixteen percent which they were that they were given. So oh. shout out to uh, LADWP. Absolutely.
8: Well tonight we're gonna to talk about my hood, yeah, which is behind the orange curtain. And our first guest we would like to bring him on is a gentleman named Rob Hunter. He's the general manager of the municipal water district of Orange County. So good evening, Rob, are you there?
9: Hi, Rob.
8: How are you doing tonight? Easy name to remember.
9: Well, we're very uh, pleased and (laughs) appreciative of you taking time from your busy schedule to inform our listeners about what the uh, Municipal Water District of Orange County is doing uh, because of this drought. So maybe you could share with us, to start with, the the nature of the operations. Uh, I know many of our listeners know that there are retail agencies who they s- pay directly for the water that's delivered to them, and then there are agencies that do some wholesale and some retail, and then there's agencies that are just strictly wholesale. Can you share with us some information about uh, your agency?
7: Yes, we are a Met member agency. Um, we were formed in 1951 to import Water into most of Orange County. We're a wholesaler, and I have twenty-eight member agencies, um, ranging from groundwater agencies to retail providers of service.
9: Wow! So, since nineteen fifty-one, that was even a couple of years before uh, I was born. That's been a while. So that's that's great. How does it? How did the? Uh, do you have some history in terms of like? What forces drove the creation of this uh, agency that then serves its member agencies?
7: Well, going into the way back Machine here to the uh, 1940s and 50s, um, there were essentially three major pop- population centers in Orange County, which are referred to as the three cities, which are three met- member agencies, Thornton, Anaheim, and Santa Ana. And the rest of the county were uh, farmers growing crops, pretty much. Wow. Um, So to get water to the rest of the county, imported water, um, MODOC was formed, um, and it worked with MET. And then we, in fact, were the, uh, the organization that built some of the major pipelines in Orange County to move that water around
8: excellent so you i know you guys have been working on a uh, on reliability of water both in the quality of the water and the reliability of having sources available down the road and maybe can you share some of that with us and uh i know that's a big thing you guys are doing
7: yeah it's one of the, the the major things that we have going right now and and um one of our our major parts of our our mission um right now we have a a reliability study going in the county and what that looks at is what is the reliability the dependability uh, how what percentage of the time do you meet all the needs of the public both in terms of supply the actual wet water and then the system and you can think of supply as either imported water or groundwater or stored water um, and the system are the pipes and pumps. So in a major earthquake on different areas, what's the reliability of that system to recover and get water to the, to the public? And we're doing a, a major county-wide study right now, um, including the, the three cities, of looking at providing usable, peer-reviewed information to help decision makers elected officials board members utilities and the general public make decisions about how we will meet demand over the next 25 years
8: are are any of the lines uh, subject to uh, fault lines from earthquakes
7: um we, we have a couple major fault lines in orange county so we have lines that are susceptible but in the greater area um the the los angeles greater area um the colorado river aqueduct coming in um crosses over i believe twice the san andreas and the state water project kind of follows the san andreas fault for uh, a number of of uh crossings and um both uh, in major major earthquakes which potentially have issues.
8: So when you guys put these plans together, what are, what do they think about or what do they do for emergency situations? How, how does that get handled?
7: On the emergency side, um, and, and we just completed a, a seismic study here in the County of, of looking at what would be the, the, um, predicted damage to those pipelines or those wells, um, and how long it would take to recover, um, how long would it take if, if there's a, a well-sheared, um, how long would it take to go and repair that system to restore service to the public? And then the second part of this study will be what type of projects can we do um, to increase that reliability, to, to, to either prevent the damage or decrease the amount of time it would take to repair that.
9: I I think it's fascinating to hear some of the variables, the factors that you have to consider and then extrapolate over the next 20, 25 years in terms of demand increase. Uh, I've got to think that it takes uh, hydrologists or engineers, I mean, some very technical people to weigh in on Developing the facts that then the decision makers can use to appropriate funds to do the things that are, are warranted um, is if you could take a, a couple minutes and if you had uh, the ability to share with an audience that are consumer oriented that we're just used to go to the faucet turn on the water, it's there, we can drink it with confidence uh, very, very seldomly do we ever have a time when we don't have water coming out of our faucet or through our sprinkler system Uh, it's like a lot of work is happening behind the scenes uh, without any really big advertising or communication effort to inform the public about the significance of what is being done to assure consistent delivery of quality water. So if you had something to say to those of us that were kind of ignorant about those issues, what what might that be?
7: Well, I, I think one thing that may sum it up is over the last 20 years, Southern California through our rate payers, have invested about 15 billion dollars in proactively in projects in southern california for water resources part of that um, translates to storage now last year taking out of storage we're obviously in a drought everything you guys were talking about in the intro to the show there Mm -hmm. um we're, but we're still using more water than than um, we're capturing right now. So we're taking water out of storage. We we took out about 1.2 million acre feet in the in, in the metropolitan area um, in 2014. Wow! That is more storage than there was in total till about 1995.
8: Which isn't really we that long complete, ago. If
7: we had not made this investment, we would have been completely out of water.
8: Wow, how much? What, wow, what? What do you think of the current uh, infrastructure that exists? And we'll just stay with Orange County because that's where you are. Um, what? How much more do you need? And where do you see this being placed? Should we? We, we should put these things because there definitely needs part. Part of the problem when El Nino comes. Orange County in Southern California really does have a, a, a lot of places to store water or collect the water. It's all going to go out. Well, most well, of it's going go to be. They collected 1.2 million cubic well, yeah, feet, but, <laughs> but, but but we need more than that. I mean, yeah. so what are people thinking? How are we going to do this more in the future? Because we're we're never, we even we when the drought goes away, we're still going to be cautious. I'm sure.
7: We are going to be cautious, and um, kind of the the feeling on the street is even if we have a El Nino this year, which is a strong El Nino or, or a wet year is about a 50-50 chance right now. But if we do, it's likely that we'll still have some drought restrictions in place because one wet year is not going to have us recover.
9: Right.
7: Well, um, it- part of the issue on heavy rains is you don't have enough above ground storage to hold that water so you can get it into the ground for for groundwater resources so a lot of it blows out to the ocean and um, you don't have it then for future use Mm -hmm. so that that's one consideration of how do we deal with storm water how do we hold that so that we can use it in 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 dry years and most people don't realize that 12 of the last 16 years have been below average precipitation years.
8: Well, we need to tell, um, we need to tell El Nino to do it over the uh, Sierras, the mountains. So. We need some <laughs> snow. Yeah.
7: But what so, we need it there is in snow. If, yeah, it's, right. if it's warm, which it's likely to be, it still just runs off. We need cold weather up north with it so it locks up in snow.
9: Yeah. Right. And as you say, we can't depend on that. On all the, the the golden scenario where everything that helps uh, reduce the uh, the drought, uh, you know, comes to bear. In fact, we ought to, and I'm sure that none of the water agencies are really planning planning on that. Um, now, you mentioned obviously the the importer. You're the importer of water. I'm, I'm assuming primarily from Metropolitan Water District or perhaps the Colorado River, um, but you also mentioned ground uh, storage. Uh, are there any other sources um, of water that your agency mines or taps t- to to deliver that reliable sort, or to have the reliability you're looking for?
7: Well, in, in Orange County, our our sistering agency runs um, the indirect potable reuse, the water recycling that collects um, the treated effluent from our neighboring wastewater treatment plant, brings it over the fence line, treats it to a very, very high standard, and then takes it up and and lets it percolate back into the groundwater for that reuse. They're um, currently at about 100 million gallons per day of that Um, they've just gone from 70 to 100 and we're working with met who's at the beginning of a process with the la county sand district um to take um water from their plant and start out with a 70 million uh, gallon per day plant that would ultimately go up to um 150 million gallons per day project so the the kind of the we think of the Colorado River and the State Water Project um, at, and the Bay Delta as two rivers, this recycled water is the third river, and, of course, our, our groundwater resources. And in Orange County, overall, about half of our drinking water comes from groundwater. Hmm.
9: And, and have have has the agency been pleased with what has been conserved over the last, say, three to five years? I know conservation... Uh, water use reduction is certainly saves it for the future. Does, is that considered uh, another source, or is that considered a different kind of, um, I guess, savings?
7: Um, we look at it on the demand side, but in our reliability, um, we look at investments in additional water use efficiency conservation as another project and part of what we're looking at as we put together portfolios of projects to meet those future demands how much can you gain um, by investing in additional water use efficiency is that the the, be, the the most bang for the dollar is that the best bet or should you invest money into other projects along with that right. um, so it is It is a, a real project just as building a recycling facility or more groundwater production or storage would be
8: great thank you oh um i know you have some
0: lucky land casino
8: asking
2: people
0: what's the weirdest
2: place you've gotten lucky
0: lucky
8: You offer rebate programs to uh customers. can you uh, elaborate a little about that?
7: Well, we serve as kind of the central hub um in Orange County for the the rebate programs and the water use efficiency programs um, and I think as probably everybody is aware in the the last couple of years that program has gone absolutely through the ceiling, yeah. Um, in the the last few years, Orange County has replaced about 31 million square feet of turf, um, saving about 4,000 acre feet a year of water. Um, we have we do the processing for for most of the agencies in Orange County in terms of tapping into that 350 million dollar. Um, met pool of rebate money um, as well as getting grants from Bureau of Recreation and and other sources um, administering those funds. This past year um, and this fiscal year, most of that has been tied up in the the turf replacement program, Um, but we also run what is actually Per dollar, a, a greater return in terms of water savings, um, which is the the um, actual um, hardware replacement.
8: Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that plus the education that uh, uh, you and and all the other water agencies are doing is uh, has been real help. We're we're, we're going to be backed up here against a break and anyway. We wanted to uh, let you go and thank you for your for your valuable time coming in and uh, gave our listeners a lot more information to to know about what you guys do. And uh, we'll be back in a few seconds, and uh, join us on KCA 1050 AM.
1: Are you looking for the right place to purchase your landscaping items? Well come see us at Hydroscape. Hydroscape offers a large selection of irrigation products including Irritrol and toro, such as their efficient precision nozzles. For 40 years, Hydroscape has been family owned and operated serving Southern California. With 17 locations, our knowledgeable and experienced staff is equipped to help you with all your irrigation, landscape, and outdoor living projects. Whether you're installing irrigation systems, wanting to maintain a healthy landscape, or simply create a beautiful lit space for outdoor entertaining, Hydroscape is the place to go. Visit our website at hydroscape.com for more information and find helpful articles on our blog. Or call our customer service center at 1-800-395-4477.
5: Were you involved in an auto accident? Do you know where to go for repairs? Are you tired of getting ripped off by high prices and inferior work? Then visit us at Inland Empire Auto Body & Paint, located in Riverside at 6411 Industrial Avenue, Suite A. We have an award-winning team of specialists with more than 40 years of auto body work experience. We were also awarded number one in the Inland Empire by MyFoxLA. We work with all major insurance companies and use state-of-the-art equipment to get your car back on the road. We work on all makes and models of cars, including RVs. Our auto paint specialist will make sure the job is done right. At Inland Empire Auto Body & Paint, your satisfaction isn't just a goal. It's what drives us. We focus on your needs. Call us for a free estimate at 951-637-1365. That's 951-637-1365. Inland Empire Auto Body & Paint.
3: Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and you hear me every weekend on my show talk about the importance of a financial plan, planning for your retirement, planning for your children's college education fund. Unfortunately, most people don't realize that they need to set up a foundation before any good financial plan can come into place. That's where life insurance comes in. Now, most people think life insurance is just an expense, but it's not. It can be a way of life, a standard of living, when someone, the breadwinner, is literally removed out of the picture because of a premature Death. Look, I believe in it. I've got life insurance for my family, and I want you to find out how easy it is to get life insurance and even qualify through some new non medical life insurance policies. Look, my friends at eFinancial can help you do this. They're standing by to give you your free life insurance quote today. Call 866 807 9961. 866 807 9961 for your free life insurance quote today. And don't forget to tell them, Steve sent you.
8: back with the water Zone show with Mike and Rob and hope everybody's doing good and that was, uh, that was a good conversation with Rob Hunter from uh, municipal Water District of Orange County and to stay with the theme of my hood uh, we have another gentleman we'd like to bring on his name is Mihu Patel and he's director of water production and groundwater replenishment system program manager and uh, Mihu I'd like to welcome you to the show good afternoon oh, thanks for having me
9: great yeah appreciate you joining us and uh we're going to be interested in learning a little bit about what this groundwater replenishment is uh, is about and how you uh decide where to put that groundwater if you inject the water in some place or it just percolates in so we're we're looking forward to uh getting this kind of information from you. So thanks again for joining us.
8: And, and for clarification, because I know Mike and I talked about this last week, about what people call this thing. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I did some more research about it. Just oh, to, really? Just, just to find out. And, and, and we got the professional on the phone. He's going to tell us if, we're, if I'm right or wrong, uh, if I found out the truth. You know, the, the, if I look up and Google things or look in past articles, they always talk about the term, and, I, I, and you're right, it's kind of funky to say, toilet to tap water. And I understood it was drummed up by opposition to people who didn't want to drink recycled water. And I understand the correct terminology is now indirect potable reuse water. Is that correct?
10: Yeah, that's correct. That's the, the actual official term and the term not only they use in regulations, but what it's commonly known as, at least among people who operate facilities like ours.
9: Right. So again, that's, it, was, it was
8: what again? Indirect potable reuse water.
9: Reuse water,
8: okay. I want well, to be politically correct, but I... Don't. Well,
9: well, we want to be accurate, and <laughs> yes. we want to uh, you know, be factual about what we report, but, um, you know, the, the, um, the interesting thing is that this has been going on for some time. When did the Orange County Water District start working on this capability?
10: So it's uh, there's a kind of a long history behind it, but basically the the facility that exists today has been in operation since January 2008. So we're getting you know close to going to on seven years. Um, but we had a plant before that, a treatment plant that was called Water Factory 21, and it it operated since 1975 to about uh, 2004. So almost 30 years it operated, and it did a similar thing. Um, with a different sort of technology where it it took treated wastewater, put it through an advanced treatment process. And then um, instead of directly replenishing the groundwater like the current facility does, it it injected the water along the coast um, to keep seawater out of the groundwater uh, aquifer. So it kind of formed an underground wall of water. And that plant had ran for such a long time, smaller plant, only about 10 million gallons a day, to 15 million gallons a day of treatment. But that was our first foray into doing recycled water as a, as a way to, you know, cut down our usage on potable water for some of the things that are critical to the aquifer, like protecting it from seawater intrusion, until we came up with our current facility, which is, like I said, been operating since January 2008.
9: Wow. I, I, can I just say one thing and that is, Rob, when you first said people object to um, recycled water, well, guess what? We're using a water that was used eons ago which every every drop of water that we consume absolutely. is recycled from from Some, the past right so absolutely. we got we've got to make sure that we 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 understand that but uh the um, the fact that you mentioned that this water was injected along the coast to protect groundwater aquifers from sea water intrusion is that something that you know and this is a little off topic but I've heard of the same issue, seawater intrusion up in the Bay Delta. Have they ever considered or would they ever consider using this technology to prevent seawater intrusion there?
10: Yeah, I think there's a little different situation where the you know the gap or the, the breaches for where seawater comes in is much larger than what we're dealing with here mm-hmm. and probably, you know, economically is not as feasible. Here it's pretty distinct and in both Orange County and LA County where there's, you know, geologic conditions that cause the seawater to be able to come in. Um, and so the the breaches are pretty distinct, and we know the distances and the depths, so it makes it pretty efficient to find a way to inject water or basically build the water level higher than sea level to get it to a point where we can keep seawater out so i think yeah the short answer is probably not as feasible there but very common here in southern california
8: now i understand there's a big cost difference between doing what you do for this indirect potable reuse water versus a desalination plant is that is that a true statement
10: yeah, I mean, I, I think the the bottom line of, of it is um, whether it's seawater desalination or what we're doing, which is you know another form of desalination. We use the same technology, the reverse osmosis, but it all the, the cost of doing something like this is is all tied to the amount of salt in the water. Where seawater has you know thirty to forty thousand parts per million of salt, uh, wastewater or the wastewater we're dealing with has about a thousand. So inevitably it takes less energy, you know, in the form of pressure and we can get higher recoveries because there's less salt to begin with. And reverse osmosis is just the efficiency of it is directly related to how much salt coming in. So it's always going to be cheaper, less pressure and get more recovery out of the process to try to Treat a water with less salt than something with more in
8: it. I understand. There's, there's in, in researching this. I understand there's different technologies. Uh, you know, aside from the reverse osmosis, there's UV, uh, and and I know there's some other uh, places like yours uh, down in Point Loma, the San Diego's Point Loma Water Reclamation Facility, and even even I know a big one they used over in Adelaide, Australia. They they use similar or a little different types, or are there or, or are there many other types of ways to purify the water
10: Um, there's similar but there's a and this is where it you know it gets a little complicated and convoluted with the way regulations are Mm -hmm. but um, there's what we call tertiary effluent it's basically there's a there's a level that minimum level that the wastewater or that needs to be treated to to where that can somehow be used to help replenish a groundwater supply most plants like ours um, go to a level that's much higher so that we can um, get the water to almost an ultra-pure kind of uh, level of treatment, and that's where you inevitably would use something like uh, ultraviolet light or some kind of uh, oxidant like ozone or peroxide in addition to some sort of membrane process like reverse osmosis or reverse osmosis with microfiltration or ultrafiltration. It's it depends upon the situation where the water is going to end up inevitably as to the level of treatment.
8: Do you replenish any of that with any additional minerals? Yeah so
10: the process we use um, what we do is we take the water The I think you heard a little bit about it from Rob as well that we take the secondary effluent so the water's already been through a certain level of treatment that leaves it uh, at a point where it could be discharged into the ocean but it couldn't be used for anything at that point. When we put it through our process using um, microfiltration, reverse osmosis, and ultraviolet light with hydrogen peroxide, because the water goes through reverse osmosis, it has very little salt or alkalinity when it's done. It's actually corrosive. Mm -hmm. So we do add mineral back in in the form of calcium hydroxide, or what we call hydrated lime. So we're trying to build the alkalinity and stability and pH of the water back up again so that we can put it not only in our distribution, our different pipelines that are you know, susceptible to corrosion if we use ultra-pure water without stabilization, and then also to make the water more stable for when it does inevitably get back into the ground in the way that we do it. And, and we do that by two methods, basically.
9: So what, what kind of uh, academic background does one have to have to do the kind of work that you do?
10: Um, we have a kind of a wide ranging uh, skill set, but typically people like me—we're engineers, civil engineers, or uh, chemical engineers, or mechanical engineers—and then we have a whole staff of um, different scientists, biologists, environmental scientists that also work in the process as well. But typically, the the people that help run the plant or at least troubleshoot it are usually engineers, and then. We have scientists that also help, and then we have obviously our most important, which is our treatment plan operators, and they have a, a variety of different educations and skill set.
9: Wow. Well, you, I'm just curious because I mean, there's a lot of technology in the things that you've been describing. Well, what freaks?
8: What, what I hear when I was after Max and I had a conversation last week on air about this, you know, a lot of people freak out about the water, and you know, for example. Pharmaceuticals, you always you always read about people dumping their... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually.
2: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots dot com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
8: Pills down the toilet and throwing them away, and 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 then people, oh, even myself, I worry about people with blood cont- contagions that goes into that. And and as Mike explained, I'm sure yes, it, it sterilizes it. I guess is the right word here, but. That's still a big thing for people to, to, to under, understand about it. But, but as I know, we I live in Orange County, and I know we've had re- recycled water for a long time. It's not something that's brand new, but you do get a group of people who don't understand the technology or don't want to believe it uh, that it that it can it can protect them from any any of these pharmaceuticals and, and, and any of these blood cont- contagions that get into the water.
9: Well, that's kind of why this is so appropriate because you know we typically fear what we don't know and and here you're explaining to us the kinds of uh technologies that are used to do it but to a layperson, how might you assuade their concern and fear that somehow they're gonna you know get contaminated with with some of the things that rob mentioned
10: yeah i mean i think a big part of our um you know our hurdles to overcome and even getting our project built was the was first the public outreach and education portion and a big part of that was not only explaining where does the water come from that we get now like um, rob kind of mentioned we you know we're heavily reliant on imported water but we do have groundwater luckily in in this part of orange county Um, and why there's a need to go to recycled water even though it's been through this level of treatment a big part of it is to show people in educate people on where the water comes from, that all water is recycled, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But the way that we try to alleviate the fear is to show that we have what we call a multi-barrier approach. So we have a process that removes the larger particles, something that gets it even to the even smaller contaminants. And then we have a uh, chemistry process that will also break down organics. So most of the contaminants that, you know, are that people are concerned about like pharmaceuticals or other contagions, they tend to be, you know, when we're looking at a molecular scale, they're pretty large and they're well removed by something like reverse osmosis. And if for some reason they're not totally removed by reverse osmosis, there is still the what we call the advanced oxidation or the ability to break apart the, the bonds, the oxygen bonds that all organics have and, and turn them into byproducts that aren't harmful. And so we think with this multi-barrier approach, this is the best of the best in technology, and inevitably, even you know what is considered as pristine water stores like a river or a lake, they all have similar con- uh, potential for contaminants. It's just that when we're talking about reclaiming wastewater, we're usually dealing in a bigger unknown or a larger concentration potentially of these contaminants, but the removal mechanism is still the same, and. By having a multi-barrier approach, we feel like we can get to all of these contaminants, and, and that's shown in the fact that we haven't had any uh, permit violations or any detects on anything of harm. And you can see in our annual reports, and we we have all that stuff on our website. That you know, water is very pure at the end of the day. So pure, we have to add minerals back in, and that's one way that we try to alleviate people's fears and know that. This water never actually goes directly to your tap, and that's the whole concept behind indirect potable reuse is that it has to go underground, and when it goes underground and mixes with the other naturally occurring groundwater, it takes six months to years to actually be making its way to the closest production well or a well where people would pump and use as part of the drinking water supply.
8: You know, people read in the newspapers about uh, the nuclear reactors, all over the world that um, with all the safety features built in and like what happened in Japan a couple of years ago can you talk a little about, about the, the safety issues that that you have in the system that basically would prevent or or prevent any any accident from happening that uh, would contaminate water into into the public
10: yeah so we have a uh, there's a few things that that we use as um, for quality control and, and the main part being we have a lot of um, very sophisticated online instrumentation. So we have different uh, analyzers and and other instrumentation that can detect when a process isn't running properly. And they also can detect if a process is about to start running in, in a range where it shouldn't. And it can shut down processes. So we have a lot of different safeguards in that respect using our, our computer system that controls the plant. And then to back that up we also take samples on a very frequent basis and have our own lab on site that's state certified and the water is inevitably checked and analyzed, you know, hundreds of times and between that and the computer system that controls everything and our experience in running reclamation facilities, we've got a lot of safeguards in place and and that's part of why the plant has been permitted and and been seen as an example of a way you could do this safely is that at the end of the day the fact that the water doesn't go directly to anyone's tap gives another layer of protection because once it goes underground there's several months to years before that water would ever see someone's home that you have time to figure out what you could do if you if for some reason you thought water was released from the plant that wasn't up to specification but in our case we have enough uh, safeguards along the way through all the treatment processes that we can turn the plant off or it'll turn itself off if we're out of range on certain contaminants. And that that whole plan and how we deal with those safeguards is something that had to get approved not only by State Water Resources Control Board, but what used to be called the Department of Public Health and is now called the Division of Drinking Water. So all of this has been vetted through several regulatory agencies, and we get surprise inspections and yearly reports and inspections we have to do to show that we're following this plan that we put together to help safeguard the plant against any contaminants making their way through our process
9: yeah i might i might suggest that many of us homeowners who don't have any type of backflow prevention on our sprinkler systems probably put ourselves more at risk from contamination from backflow events uh than from the processes that you're you know that that your agency is using so uh, between
10: backflow and you know plumbing in your home having issues um, there's probably more risk in that than there is in the the water that's going to make its way into the groundwater
9: but 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 yet most of us are just ignorant about those potentials you know so you got to put it in perspective and certainly the safeguards that you have identified i think are are significant and that's one of the things we like to do rob and i is to get some of this information out um because we do have a podcast that will be available after the show that others can uh download and 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 listen to what uh what you've had to say which has been very very uh, informative
8: has i i noticed in, my, in in my water that it tastes different no, i'm not i'm not saying it because between when here. and when <laughs> no from a couple of years ago but it could be i could be i have older pipes and you know yeah. as, as you and I just talked about and I know a lot of again part of part of the anxiety about all of this is people don't have all the information like we're learning now. That's that's important. Um, now, I was wondering where that little uh, thing from the, on your back was coming
9: from. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of curls up. That the- little hump. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
8: <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, I'll turn to the camera. So they can see that. <laughs> um, do you? What, some some cities and some water agencies you know they they agree to put fluoride in the water and some people don't want that in for their kids and uh, what what is that what do you do at your facilities is that something that's added that's allowed to be added that you that you recommend that you don't recommend and and, and that's the first part and then the second question i also read that a lot of farmers farmers not necessarily in orange county but other other places where they have similar uh, facilities like you they argue that farmers don't want it cuz they don't want to feed the cows and the, And the animals that that water can you expand a little on that maybe
10: yeah see we're we're a little bit unique in that we don't actually um send water to anyone's home we're a groundwater management agency so basically we're just here to make sure the groundwater aquifer that's in north and central orange county stays full enough that we can meet all the water needs so sustainable and then keep it free from contamination but fluoride is something that's done all over the country and you know it's got definitely its benefits and it's it's well established that it's got benefits over the hazards that people inevitably think could happen and it's basically a city-by-city decision and so most water that you get comes from a city water department sometimes from a private water department but those cities inevitably have to decide. But in our process, since we're just replenishing the groundwater, we don't add anything to the water other than the mineral to make it stable. Right. And then um, on the other question about the farmers, yeah, I think where we've, where we've read stories and we've heard from others, um, what farmers inevitably are a little bit, I guess, lack of a better word, squeamish about is using what they call the, the purple pipe water, or the water that's not been treated to ultra pure quality, the one that's been treated for irrigation, certain crops. So that's been through a lesser level of treatment. It's basically a sand or media filtration after it's been through the wastewater treatment plant, not through membranes or UV. That's the type of water that they seem to be more concerned about, and in some cases that may be justified. But in places where there are farms that are influenced by water like ours, our water ends up actually being better than the water they would normally get because it's far less salty and it's been... Stripped of all the organics and other things that could be of issue, that's what most farmers would like is a good sustainable well because a lot of the farms are run from groundwater and if there's an agency that's managing the groundwater properly and able to replenish the groundwater with quality water, I think then it's a win-win for everyone and that's where most of the issue has come with this drought is other places where the groundwater isn't managed properly and then it becomes more of a quantity issue than a quality issue, but Reclaimed water has its place and it's very common and it's uh, even more common in industrial uses as well and I think it's going to become more common uh, as the drought continues but it's it takes various forms there's not one kind of reclaimed water so that's that's kind of the distinction is what what type of water are you actually going to produce by taking the treated wastewater and putting it through additional treatment
8: in in this days of tumultuous Corruption and, and and terror and everything else, you know, they talk about, uh, they worry about the electrical grid going down. What's your opinion on safety of water? Not from necessarily their plant, but I mean, how protected are we that somebody can come and fly a little model plane carrying seraphim and drop it off in a reservoir? Yeah, I mean, the, good,
10: the, the good thing about water, um, you know, like from our chemistry class in school, it's a universal solvent. So to realistically try to, you know, sabotage an entire water supply, it just takes so much of any kind of contaminant that um, it'd be very difficult to get that amount of contaminant into a distribution system. And most drinking water plants, and actually all of them, but to a certain extent, they are got different levels. They have a much higher level of security than other facilities because they're considered essential. And so it's difficult to just come in there and be able to do that or, or get into the pipeline system because it's all buried several feet underground and closed. It's a whole closed system. Even large reservoirs, which people are worried about sometimes when there's a storage reservoir or a big storage tank, it just takes so much that if for someone to do that and someone not to notice seems pretty unlikely.
8: That's good to know.
9: Yeah, I, I think i maybe watched a show where you know they took a little vial and they dumped it in this Reservoir, and it's like okay, everybody's dead. And, you know, yeah, and the later.
8: science of that, you know,
10: just there just isn't anything that can be that, you know, that quick to yeah. contaminate that much water. Yeah.
9: Well, um, I heard that Metropolitan Water District is uh, planning to possibly do a facility like what you are involved in today. Is that something that um, affects your operation at all?
10: Um, you know, it. In some ways, it may actually help ours. I mean, what the main thing that we, we'd like, you know, we're helping them and encouraging them is that the more people that that build facilities like ours, the more comfortable people will be with yep, it, yep. and the, the easier it will be to implement in the future and be another solution to the drought. But at the same time, you know, we could potentially even buy some of that water. There's a possibility, too. I mean, it to us, it doesn't matter where we get the water that we need to replenish our groundwater. If, if they're producing water similar to ours, it may be another source and, and you know prevents us from having to find other sources in the future after we've reached our ultimate expansion. So I think it's a good thing for everybody, including us.
9: Yeah. Just I, so. I just want to say thank you very much. You've been very clear in your explanations, very informative. Um, I'll keep so, drinking water. Yep. Yeah, we're going to keep drinking <laughs> that tap water. It's <laughs> a lot less expensive than bottled water. Definitely. So uh, anyway, uh, keep up the great work. We appreciate the unsung efforts of so many water agencies throughout the state of California. Uh seems like the only times you guys get visibility is during a drought, and then it's not necessarily good, good visibility. So thank you on no, behalf of
8: us consumers. Yeah, we appreciate that very much. And coming uh, uh, up to our hour here, so we're going to have to scoot that a out of here. So thanks for listening to The Water Zone with Mike and Rob on KCEA 1050 AM. Join us next week, and we'll broadcast live from the Water Smart Innovations in Las Vegas. Have a good week, everybody.
4: KCAA's Inland Talk Express, KCAA, Bo Melinda, 10:50 a.m. The station that leaves no listener behind.
0: Exploring science in the sea.
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office.